You're listening to the Women's Hope Podcast of the Masters University with Dr. Shelby Cullen and Kimberly Cummings. Join them as they bring hope and encouragement through 25 years of combined experience in biblical discipleship and counseling as ACBC counselors. Shelby and Kimberly provide biblical and practical wisdom by coming alongside women with the teaching and resources necessary to grow in the grace and the knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So welcome to the Women's Hope Podcast. We're so glad to be with you today. We are concluding our four-part series on What About Me? And Shelby, it has been a delightful series to study with you, to just go to God's Word to see what it says about how we are to biblically view ourselves. As we've done in the past, we want to end this series with just a fun discussion but yet a very relevant discussion on a hot topic called self-care. This is a movement that is huge right now. I think that we could say we're seeing that word used an awful lot in recent weeks as we have encountered the coronavirus here in the United States. There are podcasts, there are Facebook groups, there are scads of books that are written on self-care. And our brief history of self-care goes way, way back. And I'm just going to give you just a worldly perspective of what the world thinks about self-care so that you can understand how it is infiltrating the church and women's thinking as we especially you're in a season right now of getting to exercise self-isolation and those kind of things. So self-care actually began as a medical movement. In recent years, it has really moved into a political movement, and now it is a full-blown feminist movement. Some say that the concept of self-care began around 40 years ago, but actually it goes back as far as the first and second centuries. So this is nothing new. There are actually international self-care foundations. (laughs) So there's a foundation for everything, right, Shelby? That's right. Yeah. There's one called the ISCF. They have seven pillars of self-care, and none of these pillars speak of the spiritual aspects of a person. You can find numerous definitions of self-care, and I'm going to give you a, a shocking one here in a bit. Some of the more modern definitions that are deeply influencing our culture and women sound something like this. Self-care is a claiming of autonomy over the body as a political act against institutional, technocratic, very racist, and sexist medicine. What in the world? (laughs) What does that even mean? (laughs) Right? (laughs) That comes from Natalia Pretzella. Um, I'm sorry for butchering her name there. There's an online site that's called Hairpin, and it features a regular column where two women interview different women about self-care and what self-care means to them. In their first post on self-care, the author wrote, This column has a singular purpose, to talk to women about navigating a world where they are their own savior. Wow. Whoa. (laughs) Uh, This is what our culture 
is being bombarded with. Mm-hmm. And so as a podcast that is designed to help women to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we're going to go to God's Word and just go back and forth together, just outlining what the Bible says about self-care. Because there is so much that the world is addressing in this concept, we want to evaluate it from Scripture because that is our foundation, right? That's right. Yeah. So if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves swinging on the self-care pendulum, and we'll probably go to one or two extremes here. One extreme would be self-indulgence and say that we're practicing self-care, but really it's fulfilling the desires of our flesh, right? And the other extreme would be self-neglect, right? And so you even talked about that in one of our recent episodes where we spoke on the idea of Colossians, Mm -hmm. right? So we want to make sure that we keep that pendulum in the middle, right? (laughs) Balance. Balance it, right. We want to know what the Bible says about self-care, and we want to evaluate our lives under the authority and the power of God's Word. Shelby, you've often said that we are body-soul creatures, so we know there's a need to steward our bodies, and we also are to steward our souls. Why don't you share with us God's design for us to live in this balanced care? Yeah, I'd love to. I think there's a, a few different things that we can certainly consider biblically, and you know, one of the ways that we can consider using our bodies, of course, would be for the glory of God. You know, God tells us that work is good, you know, so we can think about work. I mean, he designed us to work. Mm-hmm. Um, some people actually think that work is part of the curse, but it was actually instituted before the curse. For example, we find God instructing Adam and Eve to not only subdue the earth in Genesis one twenty-eight, but we also see that God put Adam in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it, you know, only one chapter later. Um, And there's plenty of admonitions in the Bible, like Colossians 3.23, which reminds believers that whatever we do, we are to work heartily as unto the Lord. Paul even reminds the church in Thessalonica of the same thing in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, that, you know, if there were people in that congregation that weren't willing to work, they were told they were not going to eat, you know. (laughs) So he becomes a role model, Paul does for us, because... If you look at that Thessalonians verse and just look at the near context, he even talks about him working hard Mm -hmm. so that he does not have to be a burden on the church. You know, work is part of the human calling. In fact, all Christians are called by God to offer up their lives as living sacrifices in all areas of life, including work. Did you know that that there's actually a doctrine out there that the Reformers embraced was called the doctrine of vocation. I think it's really interesting to kind of talk through that. And when they say vocation, they mean calling. Mm -hmm. Okay. The whole idea behind it is to bring the gospel into just the ordinary areas of life. And so obviously, as as a Christian, you know, we have our own calling within our families. We have our own calling. You know, I have my own calling as, you know, to my husband, to my children, as you do. And even as my children have their own calling, you know, to conduct their lives in a certain way as unto the Lord. 
So as Christians, we also have a calling within our churches. You know, we're called to function in the body as members of one another using our spiritual gifts. But we are also called in this secular arena or work. And what, what it, really what it does is it gives Christians opportunities to interact with non-believers and function as salt and light in the world. And I might add, during this coronavirus, we're called to do this same thing <laughs> with our unbelieving community. I mean, we are called to perform spiritual work, if you will, mm-hmm. even in our labors I and mean, certainly to our neighbors these Absolutely. days. There's a lot of anxiety out there, a lot of fear that I'm observing. But a way that we can be salt and light is we can be interceding in prayer for others, even those that we work with. We can be a witness for Christ, of course, and just bringing God's word into everyday life. And so right away, you see even work being part of kingdom work. You know, it's not about self. You know, that that definition that you read (laughs) quite concerned me because that's about self. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about the Lord. It's about Him. And work, by the way, should never be equated with our acceptance or even our identity with Christ. Because there are a lot of people out there that find their identity in work as well. Mm -hmm. And that's dangerous because that's like a divided devotion or a divided heart. Rather, as an in Christ one, as I interact in my vocation of labor, God simply gives me the opportunities to do kingdom work by making disciples. Sometimes it's proclaiming Christ. Sometimes it's building up other believers, you know, either way. And so in my particular workplace, I interact with college age people, and I see my work as a calling with purpose to love and to serve those young people as they're my neighbors, you know, in the moment. And so think for a moment about your own work. Think about how it brings specific neighbors or people into your life. And God calls you to love and serve them. Now, we know that God, of course, saves believers apart from their good works by faith alone and Christ alone, by his grace. But he also calls a believer back into the world into their distinct calling to love and serve him by loving and serving our neighbors. So the three arenas that Luther often talks about were very distinct. You know, he kind of focused on family, church, and the secular. And so this idea, again, of navigating in our own world as our own savior is so self-centered. It just really is. Or even the idea, as some self-care advocates sometimes promote, which is what we call work burnout, is, is, again, I think a wrong view of the Christian calling altogether. But having said that, you know, being a worker myself outside the home, obviously there's going to be seasons of greater sacrifice. I've certainly experienced that whenever I'm asked to teach a new class at TMU. You know, this fall even, <laughs> Lord willing, um, <laughs> I will be teaching a new class, and I know that I'll be making a, a greater sacrifice this summer mm-hmm. because of the prep. Mm-hmm. that goes into creating that. So obviously the temptation on my part may be to anticipate that there's going to be some burnout that I'm going to experience at the end. But perhaps a better way to navigate that kind of thinking is to use wisdom and godly counsel just to prevent this from happening. We certainly see this in Exodus 18, where Jethro, who was Moses's father-in-law, he instructed Moses to actually delegate the task of judging the nation to other trustworthy men. And the principle there is just in that way, the people would, you know, be provided justice, certainly. Therefore, God was just creating a way, working through Jethro to give Moses, you know, the personal care 
that he needed in that way so he wouldn't be overwhelmed with such a huge task. That's, of course, important, and we can apply that. I guess in my certain circumstance, you know, as I consider my life and the other things I'm involved in, I just have to ask prayerfully some really good questions. And I, I really think the first question we should ask is, are we even, a, are we even grateful <laughs> mm. for these assignments that God brings our way? You know, do I see this, say, new class that I'm going to be part of, a gift from the Lord, a way to serve God and others? Or am I only thinking about how much work it's going to be and how burnout I'm going to be at the end? I mean, th- there's a difference in the way that we can approach things. So that would be one way. But another way to look at it is just, what is my ultimate goal? Um, mm-hmm. Is it for God's glory or is it for my go- glory? You know, vain glory, right? I empty glory or a third way, are there? I mean, just it's good to ask the question always. Are there just simply things that, that I'm currently involved in that I kind of legitimately need to cut back on, you know, maybe I've overdone it, you know, to give me opportunity to give this new work assignment priority for the glory of God. Now, thanks to the coronavirus, <laughs> a lot of us don't have a lot of things going on because uh, we're try- it's kind of like a force out. But that's okay because that's part of God's plan as well. Mm-hmm. So I want to be grateful and I want to be a wise steward of this assignment or any assignment that God has entrusted me with. So how might I think through a proactive plan now? And of course, I want to work hard with excellence, as God calls us to, like the ant who works hard in Proverbs, or be like the bird who doesn't even worry about her needs because she trusts the Lord. Mm-hmm. But having said that, Kim, even though God has created us to work with purpose in mind. And I really do believe Scripture teaches that. Yes. Obviously, he's called us to rest as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So how can we continue this discussion of more wise biblical stewardship? So just like you mentioned, Shelby, just from the very beginning in Scripture that God ordained work, he also ordained rest. And God, who needs no rest modeled it in the very beginning for us when he took that seventh day to rest. And so taking one day in seven is something that will help us to do all the things that you talked about better and to the glory of God. So we see that there was in creation in Genesis 2, And then also the Sabbath command that was in Exodus 20, right? So it's it's in the Old Testament. But what has happened since Genesis 3 is that we have been deciding what we think is best for ourselves. And biblical rest does not come natural to our self-bent hearts, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Work hard, work more, do more. You know, it's, it's kind of where... The people are, as a whole, you see it. You see things like I've got a side hustle and you know crazy yeah. things like that to make things happen, right? Mm-hmm. So who has time to rest? Because we have to make it happen. We want to think biblically instead of worldly. So one of the examples that we see from Jesus himself in Mark 6 was that the apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And listen to what Jesus says to them. He says, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. 
and it says in parentheses, for there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So you see a scenario there where it was a little stressful, right? There were crowds, there were a lot of people that needed them, and they were tending to the needs of the people and sharing the good news, right, Mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ with them. And look what happened. They didn't even have time to feed their bodies with food. And so Jesus invites the disciples away from the crowds for a time of rest. So work is good, and it's God-ordained, but when we get caught up in our work that's not dependent on the strength and the righteousness of Christ, and he was always about the Father's business, right? We are called to go to Jesus, who said, Come to him with our burdens and take his yoke instead. And so we see in Matthew 11, and I love this in verse 28, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here we see, we started in Genesis, right, with with rest being ordained by God. And then he gives us his son, Jesus Christ, who are we are to find our rest in. He is ultimately our rest. And when we get caught up in our own works, our own deeds, we will find burnout very quickly and very easily. And there's an element of humility too, right? And we see this in 1 Peter, where he says, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We are to be hurling all of our issues of life on the Lord. And he is the one who cares for our souls. So Jesus is our rest. Christian rest also involves proper sleep. I'm a fan of sleep. I sleep well, and I'm (laughs) thankful for it because I have had a season of life where I didn't sleep well. And so I'm very, very grateful for sleep. I love this quote by John MacArthur. He says, sleep is painless and temporary and takes one from the experience of weariness, work, and consciousness of all the problems of life to the freshness of a new day. And I, I just love that because it's just, we know the Lord's mercies are new every single morning, right? That's right. I also like Psalm 23 because it gives such a beautiful picture of rest. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or as we taught our kids when they were little, I have everything that I need, right? That's right. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. So we see that there is this restoration of our souls that takes place from the Lord as he leads us to think upon him and to rest our bodies. What a great picture of what we should be meditating on these days, huh? Oh, absolutely. As I was going over these notes, I was like, well, this is chock full of... Lots of encouragement. Coronavirus encouragement, right? (laughs) It says that he is the one who guides our paths in righteousness 
and that it's for his namesake. And so often what we'll find as we close up this episode in a little bit is we have to evaluate whose name are we doing the things that we're doing for. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have to consider that. So we can fear no evil, right? God is with us. And he has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He has anointed our heads with oil, our cups overflow. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. It's so comforting. And it says, and then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So again, that focus of eternity, right? What is eternal? So when we choose to exercise rest or sleep, we're saying that we trust God to take care of things. And even as David did in some of the most trying of circumstances, in Psalm 3, uh, Psalm 8, sorry, uh, he said that he would lie down and sleep in peace for he knew that in the Lord he dwelled in safety. God gives us sleep and he is not sleeping when we are. We see in Psalm 127, 1 and 2, that unless the Lord builds the house, we who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for us to rise up early and to retire late to eat the bread of painful labors because he gives to his beloved when we are sleeping. So to me, that is amazing because even when we are sleeping, he is he is providing for us. It shows our dependence upon him. Totally, mm-hmm. totally our dependence on him for everything, right? Our very breath, everything comes from him. So we need to know that the Bible wants us to see that if we are getting too much sleep, <laughs> maybe we're on the other side of the pendulum, right? <laughs> So we know that uh, scripture says that we're not to love sleep lest we come to poverty. We are to open our eyes and have plenty of bread. So the idea there is when we wake up and get busy with our work that we're called to, that we will have the bread and he's ultimately our provider. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? Will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, we might say, thinking, ah, this won't hurt anything. But it says in verse 11 of Proverbs 6, a poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So, There is, again, what you said earlier, a balance, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So God's word doesn't say that we are to develop a self-care program, but instead we are to cast our cares upon him. We have seen so very well in the wake of the coronavirus. We make plans. We work. Some of us now are working from home, (laughs) most of us, but we place these things under God's wise and sovereign love for us. That's right, because he he says very clearly that he cares for us. Right. And so even those little details, but I love the balance. I do. Well, I think we should probably maybe also just think through just, you know, instead of calling it self-care, maybe just biblical stewardship. Biblically speaking, what can we find that speaks to that? And 
Um, actually, when I was studying for this, I was thinking of 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. That came to mind because in that couple of verses, Paul actually reminds the believer that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we really are not our own, right? We've been bought at a price, mm-hmm. and we are called to glorify God in our body. So as a steward of my physical body, of course, it's going to be impar- important to think through the things that you described. Am I getting enough exercise, proper exercise, not overdoing it? Mm-hmm. You know, am I getting enough sleep? How about nutrition? That's important to think through. It does tie into what I was saying before. You know, as Christians, we do have a calling within our families and our churches and our workplaces. So if you're not getting enough of those things, then it's going to be difficult for you to fulfill your purpose as under the Lord. Right. But does that mean that I, I never take time to engage in some fun things, fun hobbies, you know, hang out with friends, just be still, go for a hike, read a book? things like that. Well, of course, the answer to that is absolutely not. We do have the freedom to participate in those things, as long as it's not sinful, obviously. But what God does ask the believer to do, primarily prioritize this, is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of those needs that we were just talking about that we typically worry about you know, I mean, I see it today, hoarding. Oh, goodness um, going gracious. Going to every store. Can't even find a curtain of eggs, for heaven's sakes. I'm, I'm looking for flour <laughs> out there, whoever has the flour I in finally, the garage. <laughs> I finally found eggs today. I was really excited. Oh, good. good. But all of those needs mm. that we're typically worried about, God is going to meet your need. We don't need to be worried right. or concerned about those things. Your creator, God, has designed you, and he knows what's best for you. You know, worry is a sin, actually. (laughs) And so we need to be seeking his kingdom first. And when we rely upon him, we can trust God to make our path straight. Isn't that what Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 teaches us? Not to lean on our own understanding, Mm -hmm. but in all our ways to acknowledge him. But it does take wisdom. It does take discernment, obviously faith, to live within God's parameters. And I just cannot believe that we put these notes together and had no idea no um, what situation we're going to be in we wrote this like a month ago i know (laughs) because even in this you know even the coronavirus doesn't escape Mm -hmm. god's sovereignty and so we're living within god's parameters right now seeking to have wisdom and even submit to what our authorities are asking us to do so anyway i could go off on a little soapbox but i will not um but you know living within god's parameters it's really there that we find sensible self-care if you want to call it that but here are some good principles to consider that i've gleaned from scripture to really help us to be wise stewards of self. And, and, you know, it's about, again, ladies, glorifying God and enjoying him forever. This is not really about yourself as much as it's about living for the Lord. A great place to start is to look at scripture like Romans 12, 1, or even 1 Peter 2, 5. There we learn that as believers, we are called to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. I'm actually in Romans 12, right now. And I just notice that if I am living out my calling, then all of those other commands that are in that section, like loving one another fervently from the heart, 
practicing hospitality, being a peacemaker, all of those other things will just be a natural manifestation of my commitment to living my life as a living sacrifice for the Lord. And then Peter talks about also thinking through being a holy priesthood, which we are in Christ, Mm -hmm. and just offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Christ, you Mm -hmm. know. And so since every part of us has been given to us by God, both body and soul, they are to be used and cared for wisely. Worship isn't just the spiritual things that we do, like reading our Bible or praying even. It's actually a surrender of our whole self to God's best for our life. Another verse that comes to mind might be 1 Corinthians 9, 25 to 27, which shows through Paul's example, even the importance of disciplining our bodies or even making it our slave. For Paul, he had to think through carefully what that meant in context, in the context of preaching to others, of course, and not being disqualified. But if we were to apply that in our life, it might be a little bit different, you know, depending on your context. But the principle that he's teaching there is just the importance of just disciplining your own body and having self-control. Mm-hmm. That's just wise stewardship. Or, you know, in that vein, just caring for your bodies, we find in Scripture, is very useful. 1 Timothy 4.8 and 1 Timothy 5.23 teach that principle. We do need to take care of our physical bodies in all the ways that we've mentioned, you know, including when we're sick or or when we're weak. Paul addresses that. So how many of you know of people who come to work sick? Well, we're told not to. especially today. But if you if you are under the weather, you're to stay home. You're to rest your body. Even when I was watching the news this morning, there were some commentators that stayed home or whatever, anchors, and they were recording from their homes. And I just thought that was rather interesting. But what the reason why they were doing that is because they felt a little under the weather and they didn't want it to add to the craziness out there. We're called sometimes to do that. We need to stay home. We need to rest our bodies. We need to take medicine to get better such important, you know, wisdom there. So physical care is obviously important. It's useful. But Paul is also quick to point out in 1 Timothy 4.8 and even in Colossians 2.23 that there's actually a more important purpose or calling in the Christian life, and that's just disciplining oneself for godliness. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the the physical is profitable and it's good, but the more important emphasis is on disciplining yourself for godliness. But a lack of being a wise steward of your physical body will certainly have an impact on the spiritual. So we need to, again, have balance, you know. Um, The physical will not take care of the sin and heart issues. But if you're not taking care of those things, it can have an impact on you. So, Kim, let's just kind of get down to the practical. How do we take into account all these things that we've discussed so far and live out our faith, not just in our families and in our churches, but also in the workplace. Mm -hmm. What does self-care or biblical stewardship look like in the day-to-day so that we might be women who walk in a manner worthy of our calling? Sure, absolutely. And and as I was thinking about this, there's nothing new under the sun. And more recently, you and I, our generation, we would have used the term me time, right? Mm -hmm. Where we're talking about self-care, it was the same idea. So here we are using a new word, self-care, but we want to ask ourselves some questions when we're 
thinking, okay, is this something that I want to participate in? What are my motives and things like that? So here's some questions. Feel free to write them down or, you know, slow down the recording a little bit and, and, you know, go back a little bit to write them down if you need to. Is my desire for self-care for something that motivates and equips me to follow through in grateful obedience? You mentioned gratitude earlier, right, Shelby? Mm -hmm. To the chief end of man, or is the motive self-indulgence? So am I doing this thing to glorify God and to enjoy Him? Not just now, but the idea of eternally Mm -hmm. or Is it now in the moment self-indulgence? Are we looking to use our bodies to work and rest in obedience to God? Or do these things reflect a pursuit of our own desires? Are we resting or are we being slothful with our time would be another good question. We're going to have a lot of time on our hands. We're going to save a lot of gas money. <laughs> We're not going places. Right. So we we need to ask ourselves, are we going to use this time that we have in our homes to develop patterns to help us grow in godliness, as you said, or are we going to become slothful? Or like binging on Netflix, for example. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we are – but. Man, just a little side note, there are so many things that are being offered right now to help us to enjoy God's creation. You know, the government has opened up these videos where you can do these virtual tours of national parks. That's neat. Yeah, there's so many things going on that will help us to enjoy God's creation because we are in our homes, there are things that will help us to stimulate our thinking. I know, you know, MacArthur's had all of his sermons. The vault was opened years ago, but I just noticed that Ligonier opened their vault just this past week as well. So, you know, there's things that are people are doing and offering good material to help us to renew our minds. And, you know, the pages of our Bible can be worn and never be totally used up. So we want to remember that drinking water is valuable and it's physically necessary. That's something I've been practicing vigilantly the last month, giving up my diet, Dr. Pepper, for water. So our bodies need water to function properly, but I have to turn to Christ for the living water, right? That's right. I can eat healthy food all day long as part of a self-care regimen, but I should never do that to the detriment of letting Jesus feed and nourish my soul. Mm-hmm. I can enjoy walks and exercise as long as I practice the six-foot roll, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we want to respect our president and the things he's asking us to do there. But if I do that and not attend to walking in the Spirit, that's going to be harmful. Mm -hmm. physically as well as spiritually. So remember the fact that we get tired, we get overtaxed, and that is a reminder that we are finite beings and that we have limitations. This is a good thing, ladies. This is a wonderful thing because those moments serve to remind us to trust God for every need that we have. 
Maybe you're in a difficult season of life. Some moms have just been put into the throes of homeschooling their children, and that was something they weren't accustomed to doing. What a blessing to have your children with you in this unique situation. Remember, it's a season. It is a season. David in Psalms 3 and 4 was in a difficult season of distress, but he knew he could trust God and he could rest. Ask yourself, are you receiving the gifts that God has given you with a grateful heart or do you idolize them? We're warned of Israel's mistake in 1 Corinthians 10, 6 through 8, where it said that now these things happened as an example for us so that we may not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters as some were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there is this idolatry going on, right? And God sent judgment. And so we want to evaluate the things we're doing. Are these things becoming idolatrous in our lives? Also, we see that idolatry is evident in the beginning of Romans, which you and I have been studying, when it talks about God turning man over to himself. Why? Because professing to be wise, he became a fool. And what did he do? He began to worship the very things that God had created. And so he was worship, uh, began worshiping the creation and not the creator. So we want to be careful not to do that as well. So it's easy for these things to become idols. So we want to ask, does my perspective of self-care reflect the heart of Christ's care, or does it reflect a heart of me-centeredness? Philippians 2, right? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, we are to regard one another as more important than ourselves. And then we see as it goes on in that verse that our example is Christ. How did he live his life? It was a life of sacrifice for our behalf, right? Who took the cross and died on the cross on our behalf. So our perspective of self-care should not cause us to also neglect the one another passages, which this is a sticky wicket right now, isn't it? (laughs) Because we're being told that groups of people of 10 or more cannot be together. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, There's only if, three of us in the studio. But. Yeah, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, that that affects the church, right? Mm-hmm. And so I am just in awe of all the creative ways that our le- church leaders are using yeah. to make sure that the church remains the church. And and the great thing is, is the church, it's not a building, Absolutely. It's the body of Christ. Absolutely. So So we want to keep being the body of Christ during this time and always. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about some of those things that you do for the purpose of self-care, remember, too, that practicing the one another's, you will find yourself refreshed. Mm 
Hmm. Proverbs 11.25 is one of my favorite verses because it says, when you refresh others, you will find yourself refreshed. And so remember, during this season, when we are to be self-isolating and self-quarantining, not to forget to refresh others. We have Zoom, we have Skype, we have FaceTime, we have all of these things. We have group texts, you know, Google chat, all these different things that we can do to get together, see each other face to face and give each other virtual hugs and encouragement and passages to comfort one another. Mm -hmm. So let's not forget the one anotherings as we practice self-care. Our ultimate goal in self-care is always to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these other things, eggs, flour, (laughs) sleep, (laughs) all of the things that we need that he tells us not to worry about will be added to us. Amen. Because they come from him. That's right. They come from him. So, ladies... As you practice all of these new self-words that we've learned since we've written this podcast out, self-isolation, just remember that you're not alone. God is with you. And he cares for you. He does. He does. So Shelby and I, thank you for joining us today. We will be joining you again with a new series that we're already working on, and I look forward to sharing that with you soon. Thank you for listening to the Women's Hope Podcast of the Masters University. For more resources and episodes, visit masters.edu slash women's hope. For more information on the Masters University, visit masters.edu. We'll see you next time.